Amen. Praise God. All right, so this morning, I am going to, we are not doing a series this Sunday and next Sunday and the Sunday following because of the, then we're going to start the December series uh, in December as we get into December. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk about welcome to Canaan. Welcome to Canaan. Uh, those of you that are Sutu, you know, you'll be like, uh, uh, right? Yeah. Welcome to Canaan. And um, I just want to show us a journey uh, in the book of Joshua that helps us to understand the journey of life. You know, life is a journey. Life has a lot of ups and a lot of downs. You know, life has mountains, but it also has valleys. And uh, it has lows and it has a lot of highs. So that is the, the rhythm of life. Um, it's not all the time that you're going to be in the valley, but it's also not all the time that you're going to be on a mountain top. There's these mountain top experiences, and then you hit uh, valley stuff, and then mountain, valley, high, low, you know? So every down is followed by an up, and every valley is followed by a mountain, and every evening is followed by dawn. That is just how life is. You know, so as I look at all these people that are here today, you are sitting next to somebody who is probably going through a valley. On your left, there's somebody who is going through a mountain top experience. But next time we will switch. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> next time the one that was in the valley is the one that will be on the mountain top. That is how life is. So the ups and downs should not phase you off. Don't stay in the valley and cry and die there. There's a mountain waiting for you. Amen. Don't, don't allow yourself that the laws should keep you there. You know, the laws are part of the game, but they should not take you out of the game. Amen. You don't have to allow a valley situation to make you lose faith in life. Or lose faith in God or lose faith in yourself. So when you look at the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua has a lot of principles about how to make this journey exciting, how to make this journey a success, and how to make this journey really, really worth it. So much so that one day, you know, when we come to a place where we are burying you, uh, you are going to be looking at us crying, but you are going to be saying, you know what? I had a great ride. You know, this was something really worth uh, doing. 
Now, I just want to show us six things this morning that can help us to really travel on this journey and get to a place. You know, uh, when you are driving into a city, and uh, there's a lot of cities, you know, as you are entering the city, there's usually a big billboard that usually says, Welcome to Polokwane. You know? And uh, when, when you get to that place where, which is saying, Welcome to Polokwane, how has your journey been? Did you enjoy the trip between Pretoria and Polokwane? There's a lot of nice stops. You know, you could be having some coffee. You know, you could have been like me, playing nice country music in the car, you know? And uh, that is the journey. So the first thing that you have to do in the journey of life, whatever undertaking you are embarking on, the very first thing that you need to do is that you need to always follow the leading of the Lord. Everything that you start... If you are starting a relationship, if you are starting a business, if you're starting a school, if you're starting whatever you are starting, don't just start. Sit down and look at what, you are, what is going to guide you. Now, when we look at uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place. Listen to what it says and go after it. When you see the ark of the Lord passing by, go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it and 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. <clears throat> When you are starting anything new, you have never done that thing before. Which means that you need guidance from God. Why? Because God has been ahead of you. It's, it's, the Holy Spirit is like a guide. You know, you have never been in this territory before. And because of that... You need something or someone that is going to be guiding you. Somebody that will say, no, 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 stop that. Yes, go ahead. I, I cut that relationship or start this relationship and do all those things. Now, when you look at what he instructed them, he said, when you see the act of the covenant, what is the act of the covenant? A covenant is a promise. A covenant is a promise. The act of the covenant was a symbol of this promise that God has made to his people. But what is interesting is that the Ark of Covenant is a box, but inside the box, there were three things. Inside the box, there were the Ten Commandments, and then there was 
the road of Aaron. You remember the road of Aaron that budded in the night and it had fruits and stuff in Numbers chapter 17. And then you also had the pot. And inside that pot, there was manna. You know, and uh, these three things are very, very important on any undertaking. The commandments, follow a set of values, follow a set of rules. For, you can't be on a journey if you don't have things that guide you. You can't go into a relationship without things that guide you. You know, a lot of people start things and they don't have any commandments. Things that are going to say do and don't do. In anything that you embark on, that is very important. Have a set of do's and don'ts. If you want to succeed at anything, you can't just go into life without a set of rules. You know, somebody said that if you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. You must understand that if you are starting a business, you have to have a set of rules that will govern your business. Maybe you're going to say, this is the time that I'm going to wake up. That is a set of rules part of your rules. You're going to say, you know what? I will read five books in a year, business books in a year, and you will follow through with that. The Ark of Covenant had commandments inside it, and God said, follow that thing. Follow that example. The second thing that was there is the rod of Aaron. A rod is different from a staff. What is the difference between a rod and a staff? A staff is something you use to lean on, isn't it? When you are old, you know, you lean on a staff. In Zambia, we call it indodo. Eh? Now, a rod is a weapon. A rod is a weapon. If you are going to succeed at anything, you need inside you at least a bit of some warrior spirit. <laughs> Amen? You, 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 you can't achieve much if inside of you there isn't some amount of fight, warrior spirit. It may not be something that everyone is able to see, but you know that, man, I am going to take on this undertaking. If you don't have inside you that warrior spirit, I can tell you, when things get tough on the journey, you'll be the first one to back out. But when you're a warrior, you know I've got this rod and I'm going to kick some, some stuff. Amen. <laughs> yes, yes. Hmm? You need some warrior inside you on the journey. Because there's a lot of stuff on the journey 
that will try to mess with you. And you know, when they start to mess with you, you are going to tell them that you are messing with the wrong guy. Because I am backing down on this one. I am taking this one and I am going through with it. Valley times require a warrior spirit. Dark times require a warrior spirit. But you see, there's also in the, in the covenant, in the act of covenant, there is a port of manna. You need to trust God for provision on the journey. You see, if you are going to succeed at anything, you can't wait for the, all the money to be around for you to start. You know what is important? Trust God that he will provide. When you look at how manna was provided, manna was provided each day was a fresh day for manna. If you keep it for tomorrow, you will find it rotten. That is God teaching his people to trust him on the journey. You have to trust God on the journey. And I'm going to tell you why those three things are very important as we are going to look at the other five things that we are going to be discussing this morning. So, follow the ark. He said, when you see it, follow it. Ladies and gentlemen, I remember Dr. Myles Monroe a couple of years ago. I was actually very young when I heard him say this. He said, the richest place is not the diamond mines of South Africa, nor is it the gold mines of Ghana, you know, or the copper of Chile, you know, or Zambia, the copper of Zambia, not Chile, Zambia. He says, but the richest place is the graveyard. You know why? Because people go to the graveyard with a lot of stuff inside them that they could have left before they died. And why do you think people do that? They never followed the ark. The ark passed, and they looked at it, said, nah. A business idea passed, just like that. And you could have become a billionaire in five years, but you are sleeping. And you, you, you are single. How many girls have passed there? Like, like, really? For one year, how many have passed? <clears throat> and you haven't gone for it. You know? You, 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 know, you know, God puts a lot of things inside us, but we just let them pass because we are afraid to go for it. The Bible says, when you see the Ark of Covenant pass near your house, Go for it. Amen? You go for it. 2024 is just around the corner. What is God bringing next to you that is passing so that you can follow? You can follow. You can follow that act. The second thing that I see on the journey with Joshua is in Joshua chapter 3, verse 9 to 17. So that's around about eight chapters there, so it's going to be a little bit long. 
It says, so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gashatites and the Poloquanites <laughs> and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. The ark of the Lord is again coming into picture. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. Now, listen to verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away to Adam, the city that is behind, beside Zaretan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arabah, the salt, the, salt, the salt sea, felled and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. <clears throat> Excuse me. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people... <clears throat> had crossed completely over the Jordan. Sorry about that. Now, the story that we have read is God instructed the people, that act that he said, when you see it pass, you follow it. But then he says, the people carrying that act, the moment that they are going to dip, like this is the Jordan, if they dip their feet into the water, the water will stop. Do you know what that means? If they stood by the banks for five days, the river would not have parted. And that is what a lot of us do. God has shown you something. You know what you need to do? Dip your feet in the water and the water will part. Your fear to start is what is keeping you away from the miracle that God has for you. He says that the moment that they dipped their feet into the water, the water stopped. Ladies and gentlemen, on this journey, for you to attract God's miracles, sometimes it takes taking a calculated risk 
put your feet in the water. It is the Jordan River. The Bible says that it is flooding. So it means that it's not a small stream. This water can take you. This water can drown you. But because you are carrying the ark of the covenant of God, when you put your feet in that water, that water is going to split. I have seen this myself that many times when God says something to me and he says, I want you to do one, two, three things. When I hesitate, there is stillness. But when I take action, it's almost like you attract certain things and things just start happening. You know, you start meeting people that you could not have met. You know, you start hearing things that you did not hear about. You know, just the water just starts to split. So sometimes people take too much time to analyze things. God says, put your feet in the water. There is no need for you to start to stand by the bank, starting to think, hey, let us pray here. No, 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 no. Sometimes you don't need to pray. All you need is to dip your feet in the water and the miracle is going to happen. The miracle will happen not because you have said shaka ba 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 ba. No, the miracle will happen because you have taken your foot and you have dipped it in the water. You see, your fear is what is keeping the miracles from happening. Miracles wait for brave people. Miracles are for warriors. Myself, one time I was stranded when I was very young, but that time I had already known God. And I was stranded in a very, very remote place. And I sat down and I prayed and I told God, I'm going. And I started off. And I'm telling you, it took me about four different types of transport. But at the end of the day, I was home. I was home. I'm, I'm not talking about coming from Soshangobe, going to town, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about coming like, like uh, Port Elizabeth to Polo Kwane. You understand that? So you, you have to understand that if you don't dip your feet in the water, you won't. The journey of life favors those who are brave enough to start something. And it doesn't matter how scary the undertaking is. You will attract God if you dip your feet in the water. You must remember the three things that are in the ark. The port, you have to believe that God will come through for me, will provide. But you also have to have that warrior spirit to say, you know what? I am not going to be defeated. I will not allow this setback, this law, this valley to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. So deep. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. Deep. You know, you don't have the money for that MBA. Hmm. 
register. Call the university and say, hey, is there a place when they say yes? I said, no, I'm coming. I remember myself when I was registering for my bachelor's degree here in, in Pretoria because I was supposed to go to Cape Town. I told you a story, but I changed my mind. I'm coming to Pretoria, and I didn't have money. I had zero money. So I called the people in Pretoria. I said, uh, is there a place? They said, yes, there is a place. And they registered me. And um, when they registered me, they told me the money I was supposed to be paying every month. It was around about 2,500 grand. It's a long time. So school was a little bit cheap that time. 2,500 bucks every single month. And I didn't have job. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have anybody that I knew. No connections. The only connection I had was the Holy Spirit and the act of the covenant that I had seen that it has passed my way and I am going to go for it. And I told them I'm coming to Pretoria. So one, I, was, I was in Kimberley that time, staying at a friend's place. Terrible things had happened. You remember the story of Durban? It was continuing. I was coming from that story. Now I camped in Kimberley. Terrible stuff. And I don't know any time I can get on the bus and head back to Zambia. But I told the people in Pretoria, I said, I am coming. They registered me. Everything is sorted out. You know what happened? In the evening, a friend of mine, Robert, he says to me, let's go and see my cousin. His name is Patrick. We went to Patrick's house. At Patrick's house, there was, this, there was this cell meeting that used to happen there every Thursday. After the cell meeting, Patrick comes to me. says, Ken, Robert tells me that you are going to school in Pretoria. I said, yes, I'm going to school in Pretoria. He says, your beautiful place, Pretoria, eh? So I'm like, yeah, it is. I had never lived here before. I just, I, just, I just used to pass here. Pass, you know? And then Patrick goes into his, not wallet. He went into his bag. He was a very rich man. Went into his bag. He just took money, like a lot of money. Just took the money and put it in my hands. And he says, Ken, here is some money for your coke on the way. When I counted the money, it was enough for my transport from Kimberley to Pretoria with some change for Coke. <laughs> and I left the house, and now I am getting anxious because I have transport money, but I have no school fees. So you know what happened? Two days before I was supposed to leave, Robert came into the house and he gave me an envelope. He says, Ken, here is an envelope. At my office, a lady came to my office. I have never not seen this lady. I have, don't know where she came from, but she came into my office and this is what she told me. She said to me, 
at your house, there is a man from Zambia. I want you to give him this envelope. She put the envelope in his hands and she left. He had never seen her. He has never seen her up to today. Even myself, I don't know her. When I opened the, the envelope, it was exactly the school fees for Pretoria. You dip, you dip, you attract miracles. It didn't end there. So now I am having coke money, I am having transport money, and ladies and gentlemen, I am on my way to Pretoria in the next day or two, and I get on the Intercape bus, and I come to Pretoria, and I sit there. Uh, the school was to open in the next few days. So I sit on my bed like this, and I'm like, yo, one of my friends in Kimberley, I didn't tell him that I was going to live. What did I do? I call his house. His mother, his mother answers the phone. And she says to me, Ken, where, where are you? I'm like, I am, I'm in Pretoria now. I am in school in Pretoria. I'm doing my bachelor's degree, you know. Um, so you must come, you must tell Marsh when he comes back that uh, he can get me in Pretoria. You remember those green... Uh, green, um, uh, we used to call people on those green in the early days, the telecom. It used to have a green, you used to buy tokens you put in there. That thing saved my life. <laughs> that's why I, I called Marsha's mother. And uh, she says, you, you said you are what? I'm like, I am in school in Pretoria. She says, oh, you know Charles and myself. Charles is her husband. Very, very a wealthy doctor with his own practice and stuff. Their son was my friend. And uh, the mother to, to Marsh says to me, she says, when Charles comes back, we have always looked for someone we can help through school. <laughs> and when Charles comes back, I will tell him that maybe it was you. When Charles came back, she called me. And you know what? She says to me, tell us how much you pay. And I told them how much I pay. And they say, don't worry. Go to the principal. Get the account for the school and everything. And we will pay for your school throughout the duration that you're going to be there. <laughs> I dipped my feet in the water. And I was seated. Marsh is a very good friend of a guy called Brian. And Brian and myself are very good friends because of Marsh. So we met. Brian is the pastor of the CRC church in Kimberley. That huge church. That guy is, is my friend. 
we, Brian is a chartered accountant. That time he was still just studying as a, a, an accountant. So I called Brian. I said, hey, my man, I am safely in Pretoria. You know, uh, during the holidays, I'll be coming to Kimberley. You know, we can hang out and stuff like that. Yes, kid. He says, man, thank you for letting me know. That's Brian now. Thanks for letting me know, man. You know what, Ken? How much do you think your groceries every month is going to cost? So I give him the amount. I said, ah, you know, maybe I'm about around this way. He says, yeah, you know what, my man? Every month, you know, just take it that grocery is on me. When I was leaving college, the school owed me money. You have to dip into the water, and that is when the water parts. Sometimes you have to go into the bank and refuse to come out until you see the manager. Sometimes you have to go into the offices of government and say, until the minister comes out of here, I ain't leaving this place. You will bulldoze me out of this place because I ain't going back. The warrior in you is talking. You, you think that this thing is not true. Me, I, they stole from me. They stole my wallet. They stole my passport and everything. And I went to the Zambian embassy. And I told the Zambian embassy guys, I want a travel document to go to Zambia to go and get my documents. Then they started giving me stories. First day, stories. Second day, stories. At that time, people used to sell passports to certain nationalities because the Zambian passport is a good passport. They thought, I am one of those people. And they refused to give me a, a, a travel document. They said that, uh, so I was with a friend of mine. His name is Yuri. So when I went to the Zambian embassy, the guy, the, the guy that sits there in front overheard them speaking in Sotho that I had sold my passport. And he spoke to, a, to my friend, Yuri, says, Yuri, these guys won't give this guy a travel document because they think that he stole it. Then my warrior Ken came in. <laughs> I told Yuri, I said, you go home. And he left me there. And I sat at the Zambian embassy. I said, I'm not leaving here without a travel document. You will bring the ambassador down. I was only 29 years old. They thought I was joking. They closed the embassy. I was still there. And they told the big man upstairs, there's a boy that has refused to leave the embassy. The ambassador said, what is his problem? He said, he wants a travel document to go back to Zambia. He says, why didn't you give it to him? They started to explain their story. He says, nope, give it to him. It was issued right there and then they signed and I went to Zambia. You see, the Jordan River is not the problem. The problem is that you are not putting your feet. 
<laughs> you are carrying the ark of the covenant and you are carrying the ark that has so much power, but you know what? You are by the banks and this river that you are seeing because of its immensity and because it's so enormous and because it's so gigantic, you see, you think, no, 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 this thing is stopping me. That thing is not stopping you. What is stopping you is that you are not putting your feet into the water. <laughs> Amen. The third thing is that when the river Jordan parted, in Joshua chapter 5 verse 1, it says, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we, had crossed over that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, when you put the feet in the water and miracles start happening, then it starts to send shockwaves into your enemy camp. Then they start to hear, you know what? That girl that used to walk with broken feet, now she walks in stilettos. When you start off and God starts to show up, you send shockwaves to the enemy. Enemies become paralyzed because they realize that you are on your way. But don't become comfortable because there is one enemy that you still have to overcome. If you don't overcome that enemy, the outside enemies are not difficult to deal with. But this one, is not an easy enemy. You know that enemy who it is? It is you. That is the last frontier. If you don't defeat this, it doesn't matter what is outside, even if they are falling over because they are afraid. But because of the fear, that warrior spirit that has been silenced inside you, you can't do much. So, in chapter 5, God tells them to do something. He says, so it was, in verse 1, when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, I've already read that, let's start it from verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out of uh, out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked for 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war, who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey, 
Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place. For they were circumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. You see, these people were not circumcised. They came from Egypt. So what was happening here is that God told them that uh, he needed to circumcise the people. And circumcision is a very uh, painful experience, uh, especially when it's done without anesthetic. And it's done in a very personal place. So what it means is that for you to walk successfully on this journey of life, there are certain personal things that can stop you if you don't deal with them. Circumcision is a sign that you have to cut off certain things. There are certain things that you don't need to go into Canaan with. But you see, he says, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You see, when you have stayed in Egypt for a very long time, Egypt doesn't just become your environment, but Egypt also becomes your attitude. With an attitude of a slave, nobody can achieve much. There are two things that happen to slaves. If a slave succeeds by mistake, he becomes a problem. Yes. Because inside him, he's a fool with money. It is a fool who stayed in an estate. We see a lot of fools in these estates where we live. <laughs> a guy staying in a big house, but he behaves like a stupid bugger because he doesn't understand he hasn't rode away Egypt out of his life he hasn't cut off certain things so that he can know that look here I am not trying to prove anything now I am good now I am fine you see there are certain relationships that don't need to come with you to Egypt those people that are playing loud music because you want to disturb your neighbor, call them and tell them never ever if they want to come back to your house, they have to behave. There are certain relationships that you have to cut off. Some of you, you have boyfriends that treat you like a piece of rubbish. And then every day you're going there, you are a slave. You still have a slave inside yourself. Even if there are a lot of things outside you that are suggesting otherwise. You, you need to understand that when God comes to them and he says, these people are going into a land that I promised them. I don't want anyone in the land that I promised. Playing slave. 
I want people, the Bible uses the word, I want them to settle down. Settle down. You can see somebody who is not settled. They think the outside things make them. You can see when they drive a much better car than yourself, they behave a little bit funny. They are still slave inside. Wearing better shoes doesn't make you better. Staying in a better house doesn't make you better. You are just like anybody else. And you yourself, you know that. So God says, circumcise them. Remove, some, remove the stuff. But you know what? The exercise is painful because you have to kill certain things inside yourself for you to go into Canaan. You don't go into Canaan as a slave. The slave must die. The slave inside you must die. You must remain calm. Even if you saw an SMS saying, such, such a person has just paid you 2.5 million rand. And when you look at that, you are like, oh, thank you. Instead of now starting to jump up and down in the restaurant, you are just a stupid slave. Yes. My, my, wife, went to, my wife went to Cape Town with her friend for a, for a color conference. So these two girls, they fly out to Cape Town. They stay in this beautiful hotel and they're having fun there. So me and my kids remain at home. And him, at that time he had only one child, a girl. The, the, the husband to her friend stays. So he calls me up. He says, Ken, the girls are having fun. Let's also take the kids and let's also go and have some nice breakfast. So we go to a mall there in the east, and we sit down, and we start eating. Ting, ting. On his phone. He picks up the phone. He does that. And I could see on his face, there's this light up. But it's, it's the nice one, not the stupid one. I could see. I, so I said to him, I said, my man, what is the problem? He says, look, Ken. They just paid 72,000 US dollars. No noise. Quiet. 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 72,000 US dollars. I saw the SMS. Takes the phone, puts it down as if nothing has happened. That is not a slave. We've got so many slaves. Just, just buying a pair of shoes makes you go bananas. <laughs> You're a slave. You're a slave. A new wig makes... Ah! <laughs> You're just a slave with a nice wig. <laughs> yeah. That's what you are. Get circumcised. 
leave some things behind so that when you go into the land, you are not going to mess up the land, but you will settle down. You will settle down. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember, before the biggest victory, the last thing that God wants to deal with you is you. Deal with you. Because if you don't deal with you, when you go into Canaan, Canaan is a land of milk and honey. But you will be behaving in Canaan as if you are a slave. You are going to be the biggest hindrance to your own success. I see it all the time. You, you, you see it on the plane. On the plane, I see it a lot. It's almost all of us that are on the plane. We didn't get on the plane. Ladies and gentlemen, we're also on the plane. There are certain people that, that, that behave like as if they're the only ones on the plane. Can't you see I'm also seated here? It's a slave mentality. God wants you to get circumcised. He wants to roll away the reproach of Egypt. He wants you to feel great that now I am. But you see, in, sorry, sorry, my time is finished. <laughs> I'll finish now. In, in chapter 5 of Joshua, 10 to 12, it says, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal <clears throat> and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month of the twilight at the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land of the, on the day after the Passover and leavened bread and perched grain on the very same day. Look at what happens in verse 12. Then the manna seized on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And just, just give me a little bit more time, uh, duty. I will finish, um, I promise that. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. When the people had crossed the Jordan, after they got circumcised, God exposed them to the fruit of the land. Some of us, because God loves us so much, that is why we are not blessed. God knows that if he gave you a better car, you will die of AIDS. Or you are going to die of an accident because you will think that beer was made for you, not other people. Share. Don't drink everything alone. You understand that? So what happened is that the moment they got circumcised, the moment that they come down, they got healed. When they 
tasted of the fruit. Now God says, now you can eat. And the manna stopped. Why did the manna stop? Because now they are mature people that are able to produce on their own. Manna was food for a day. Producing, you can produce whatever you want. That is why when God can trust you, he can trust you with more without him getting worried because he doesn't care. If you have 15 cars, you will still have your sanity. You, 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 you just get a second-hand Taz. <clears throat> that little Toyota Taz. They've even stopped creating that car. And you think that you are all that. Sit down. God can never entrust you with real stuff. The moment that your heart is circumcised, he can expose you to the fruit of the land and stop the manna because he knows now that it doesn't matter how many houses you have, you will not abuse other people. It doesn't matter how many stilettos you have, you will not walk like as if the ground was made by you. You know, so you have to understand that sometimes we block our own blessing because God knows the moment things started happening, this one will kill my people. This one will finish people's marriages. So what does God do? Keeps the key. And you fight, you fight. The next guy doesn't even fight a lot. You, you fight and you fight. Nothing is happening. Why? Because of the love that God has. He's keeping you until you get circumcised. Until the, the Egyptian is cast out of you. Can you, I, I want some people to cast out Egyptians out of you today. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> He doesn't have Egyptian. Look here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we will start to pray. Deuteronomy 8, 7 to 10, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil, not, not, not peanut oil, but olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. When you read at the bottom there, it says, don't forget your God. 
Don't forget your God and think that this has been done by me. He says, but when you have all these things, because God wants to give you all those things, come, baby, come down. Come down. Oh, baby, come down. <laughs> come down. <laughs> oh, baby, come down. <laughs> you know, when all these things are happening, you know, baby, come down. First class, first class, baby, come down. You know, your big, big BMW, baby, come down. You know, you are staying in a big, big, big house. B baby, calm down. Calm down, baby, calm down. Your children are going to the most expensive school. Baby, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 know, you know, you have meetings where when you can come home, you can say, oh, today I was meeting with uh, Syria, you know. B baby, calm down. <laughs> Even when you're meeting Syria, baby, calm down. <laughs> because God wants you not to eat manna. Manna is emergency food. God wants you to eat bread without scarcity. God wants you to be in the land that is God bread without scarcity. But when all those things are happening, the Bible says, don't forget your God. Baby, calm down. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Canaan. Welcome to Canaan. <laughs> Welcome to Canaan. Yeah. Welcome to Canaan. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Canaan. A land which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and where you can dig copper. But when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord. I love it. When you are coming out of that A8, that nice black A8, and you are coming out of a big deal that you have just signed, and you are entering your house, and you are greeted by this humongous house. And you press the remote. And you go in there. And you come out and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. He doesn't want you to eat manna. He wants you to eat what you want. Because when they came into the land, you are going to eat what you produce. And he doesn't have any jealousy. You can produce as much as you want. When you are circumcised, it doesn't matter how much you have. Because you will become. You will become. Let us stand. Hallelujah. You must in the car today. Play that song. Oh, baby, calm down. <laughs> oh, baby, calm down. <laughs> oh, baby, calm down. Calm down, baby, calm down. You know, I, 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 I always dream of that land. You know, I dream of that land. Where, you know, I don't even know that there were 
debit orders that passed through my account. Where I don't even know whether fuel has been increased or not. Not when they increased by 15 cents. You go and line up on a Wednesday afternoon to do that last full tank. That is not Kenan. I want to welcome you to Kenan. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't, I don't want you, you know, when, when, when you go to, uh, to a restaurant, don't eat the price. Look at the food and choose what you want. A lot of people don't choose the food. They choose the price. It's that, that is not Canaan. That is Egypt. That is the desert where it's just emergency after emergency after emergency. I pray. You know, you know, you know, the, 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 there are some people here, you know, as I speak right now, you are getting it. You are getting it. Amen. You are getting it. And I, I'm telling you, I am seeing you. I am seeing you doing big things. But you will still come to church and you will still call me your pastor. I, I, I see you, you know, coming out of huge business trips and you will still call your pastor and say, Pastor, thank you. I've just closed my first billion deal. But you still come. You are still come. So Lord, I want to thank you so much this morning. I, I just want to say, you know, as I preach, here is what I want you to know. And this is true. You must know that God loves you. And I do too. He wants the best for you. But sometimes it gets worried what you will become when he exposes you to that best. You will change and become something else. My prayer is that you will go into that special place with God and make that covenant with him and say, like Jacob would say, Lord, if you bless me, I will tithe to you. I'm not saying you have to say the same thing. But go into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, circumcise my heart. When you bless me, I will honor you with my blessing. I will honor you with what I have. I will lift your name above what I have. I will not allow the stuff that I have to capture my heart. You are going to be the only one that will sit 
on the throne of my heart. God loves you. And he wants what is the best for you. And I pray. I pray. I pray that you will settle down in Canaan. In Jesus' name.